I'm Eric Weiner. I am the relatively new cancer center director at Yale. I came in the early part of this year. I'm also physician-in-chief at Smilo Cancer Hospital. I've spent my life doing cancer care and cancer treatment, mostly focused on breast cancer. Although now as cancer center director, I worry about all different kinds of cancer. And, And my goal is to build a truly phenomenal cancer program at Yale. There is a standing program now, but everybody can always get better. And we have just an unbelievably strong team, and we're going to recruit more and continue all the great work we do together. President Biden gave another uh, cancer moonshot speech. He gave one before a few years ago. How do you think we are doing? And why do you think he gave this speech now at this time? Do you think there was a reason? I think that we always need more funding for cancer research, or I should say we always. There will be a time perhaps when we don't. We're doing okay. Cancer survival rates are much higher than they used to be. For certain kinds of cancer, we have made really dramatic progress. Cancers like melanoma and some forms of breast cancer and some forms of lung cancer, but we still have more work to do. And the other major challenge we have, in addition to the fact that we need new medicines and better treatments, is that we need to come up with new medicines and better treatments that are easier for people to tolerate so that getting cancer doesn't turn out to be such a major event in someone's life. Imagine if you could get cancer and you could go to the doctor and you could take penicillin the way you do for a sore throat or a strep throat, how much easier it would be. And I I think there's a time when cancer care will be much, much easier. And finally, the the last thing I just want to say is that, unfortunately, we live in a country where healthcare is not equally distributed. And in terms of cancer, that is very much the case. And there are huge disparities in outcomes, meaning survival and remaining free of a recurrence based on whether someone has health insurance or not, on their income, on their race, and on a whole range of other factors. And particularly as cancer care gets better and better, we have to figure out how to deliver this to everyone. What do you think is the most promising research being done with cancer today? And do you think we're veering away from the devastation that chemo and and radiation can sometimes bring? So I I do think that we are veering away from the devastation that sometimes our treatment does cause. I think we're getting better. Uh, One would have to have your head in the sand, not to say as an oncologist that the most remarkable set of treatments that have come out in the last, oh, probably 10 years are all of the immune treatments and utilizing therapies that essentially help our bodies turn on our immune system to fight the cancer. And in certain kinds of cancer, that has been phenomenal. In others, it doesn't seem to work very well. And so I think that there's going to be much more work done there. There's going to be work trying to minimize side effects. There's going to be work trying to expand the effectiveness in cancers where it already works. And finally, I think it's pretty likely that we're going to see work to try to transform those cancers 
cancer at the moment don't respond to immunotherapy to become cancers that are responsive to immunotherapy. Breast cancer is your specialty. How are we doing there? You know, the biggest change that occurred in breast cancer, and this is now about 20 years ago, is that as doctors, although we still think of it as breast cancer, we recognize that breast cancer is not a disease, but a family of diseases. And that there are very, very important subtypes of breast cancer that help define both the right treatment and make a very big difference in terms of how patients do. So we're doing a lot better in breast cancer, but we're doing a lot better in some types of breast cancer than, than others. And for the most common kind of breast cancer, which is breast cancer that is sensitive to hormones, the female reproductive hormones, so it's what we often call estrogen receptor positive breast cancer. There we still have this major challenge that when a woman is treated for estrogen receptor positive breast cancer, she's at some risk to have a recurrence of that cancer anytime for the next 20 years. And we haven't done as good a job as I think many of us would like in dealing with preventing those recurrences that happen at year 17, 18, 19, what have you, or for that matter, 12 or 13. And I think until we really solve that problem, for this most common type of breast cancer, we're only going to come so far. I will say one more thing, though, which is that within the next 10 to 15 years, in terms of breast cancer, we probably are going to be able to say that for the vast, vast, vast majority of women who have breast cancer, that as long as that woman, and occasionally man, um, is able to get medical therapy, has it available to them, pursues medical therapy, that breast cancer isn't something that should take someone's life. And we're going to have a sufficient number of treatments that even for those who aren't cured, and I hope that most are, are cured, in fact, I think there's every reason to believe that the vast majority will be cured. But for even those who aren't cured, we'll be able to help people live really, really extended periods of time, meaning decades, and living well while living with the cancer. Obesity is such a problem. How critical is that in the fight against cancer? It's absolutely critical. I think that smoking has been our major focus in terms of preventable causes of cancer for many, many years. And it still is a huge problem, particularly for some populations of, of individuals. But smoking rates, thankfully, have come down. Obesity rates, on the other hand, have continued to soar in the United States. And it is just striking to superimpose maps of obesity in the United States from 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, just to superimpose these on top of one another. And what you can see is that obesity rates have just gone way up. And obesity is associated with an increased risk of well over 10 different kinds of cancer. And for many of those cancers, it's also associated with a poor prognosis. So this is, in my mind, one of the big public health challenges for the next 10 or 20 years. And it's not as if cancer is the only reason for people to try to avoid being overweight. There are a host of other health sure. problems. But I don't think people recognize cancer as being one of the most important, and it very clearly is. So my message to people is do your best to maintain a 
healthy body weight. I'm not going to call it a normal body weight because I don't know what normal is. But <laughs> a healthy body weight as defined by you and your healthcare provider. Try not to have big swings in your weight. And at the same time, I think there's increasing evidence that regular exercise not only helps you maintain your weight, but in, in and of itself probably has a positive effect. The big question used to be, will we cure cancer in our lifetime? Is that still a good question to ask? And what would the answer be? The older that I get, the more nervous I get whether the answer is going to be yes. But I think that, number one, I don't think that it's fair to talk about cancer non-specifically because cancer is so many different diseases. But I do think it's fair to ask the question, will people still be dying of cancer at anywhere close to these rates in 10 and 20 years? And my answer there is no. And coming back to something that I touched on earlier, I think in 10 or 20 years, our biggest challenge may well be figuring out how to deliver equitable health care, equitable cancer care to everyone. Once we have all the, the cures, all the new fancy medicines, We just have to make sure we can get people to come in and take them, that we can make the treatments tolerable enough so people can adhere to treatment regimens, and that we can support people through treatment. You sound very optimistic. That gives me hope as well. Are you? Oh, I'm tremendously optimistic. I can't imagine being in a better area of work than what I do. For many years early on in my career, it was a little dismal and we would hear about research and it wouldn't really be research that would touch on the lives of patients. And being an oncologist was clearly a difficult job. But there are so many new treatments that make such a huge impact on patient care. And in my mind, we're just going to keep seeing an acceleration of of these new therapies. I mean, it's striking. Every time that we go to our big national meetings or international meetings, as I was just at one, every year there are more advances and we hear about them at our big meetings than the year before. So I think there's every reason to be optimistic. That said, let me be completely clear. Cancer's a big problem still. It is a major threat to people's lives. It takes away sometimes people's livelihood. It threatens their families since if you're the child of a young mother with breast cancer, you can be sure that your mother's breast cancer is going to have an impact on your life for a long time to come. So we got to take cancer very seriously. We got to make sure that we have funding for cancer treatments. We have to make sure that there's more and more funding. And this is the time to step on on the accelerate pedal in terms of cancer research. But we need to make sure there's more and more funding for cancer research because this is a time when we can take what we've learned from decades of, of laboratory experiments and transform those into treatments that can change the lives of people. But it, it's going to take a lot of good brain and it's going to take a lot of money and it's going to take a lot of commitment. How did how did you get into this line of work? Was there cancer in your family, as in so many of our families? Or There had been a little cancer in my family. I had a relative who died of breast cancer when she was very young, but not such a close relative. I 
personally had had a lot of experiences as a child with medical care and having to get medical treatment myself as a kid. Sorry. And so that prompted me to, I think that prompted me more than anything else to be a doctor. I actually majored in history and Russian studies and at the end still decided I wanted to be a doctor and went back and did all my courses to apply to medical school. Wow. Um, I was, I was, uh, I was atypical in that way. When I became a doctor, I just found that I was drawn to cancer as an entity really for two reasons. One, because I believed in the science and I believed that we would do ever so much better in the future. And two, because I'm somebody who in the end really values relationships with people. And there are a few other professions where when you see somebody, a door into their life and into their family's lives opens up when you walk in the room. And if you choose to walk into that door, and to go to whatever place that is with your patient and their family. It's a pretty special experience and really something I think to help people a lot. And so I find that I find that's my joy of medicine. Well, I can tell it infuses everything you say. Anything else you want to add? No, I think that's, that's pretty good. I'm okay, happy to yeah. talk anytime. Feel okay. free to call again. Okay, well, all right, have well, a great bye-bye. day, doctor. Bye.